It wouldn't happen to be long, would it? The place of my birth. Even uh, the Irish. The Irish Premiership, it's called. Oh, funny enough, it's, uh, it's long. Yeah, my dad can't mm. remember that since 1972. Let's look at Serie A, because um, Milan are top. Yeah, yeah. They've done really well. Um, with, your, with your boy Benassa running the strings in midfield. Well, the thing is, the, 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 the talk is that the people um, over in, uh, at Milan, they've got some really shrewd people making the buys. And obviously with Maldini there, he's a big draw as well. And there was a fellow called Tonali who was supposed to go to Inter, but he was a, a Milan fan. He was, uh, But I, I think Inter didn't have the money. And you can see, I think they're... Uh, they lost a lot of money. They're about 150 million in debt or something. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you who's a great player is Dennis Zakaria of Munchen Gladbach. People are talking about him and that he's coming to City. I'm not so sure. He's uh, a, a mini, mini young version of Fernandinho, you know, a real nasty uh, midfielder. Yeah, we need that, don't we? Because Rodri's not really that. Well, I watched him this... today and there was a player, uh, a Fulham player, in their own half, but he, he went round Rodri and he would never have gone round Fernandino, or not, at least not, and still been standing at the end of it. See, th- that's what gets me, is is the way we've changed. There was a video out a few days ago by T4 Football looking at what's happened since David Silva's gone. And when Fernandinho was there, I mean, it's, it's, it's so obvious. Fernandinho did everything in screening the defence and allowing KDB and David Silva to be the creative influences. And, and then they would supply Leroy Sane, Sterling and Aguero. That was a fantastic front six. Um, and now, if you look at it now, Rodri's there and Rodri can't do it. So you need a second guy. Now we're playing with a double pivot. So you play Rodri with Fernandinho or Rodri with Gundogan. And you leave KDB on his own. So we have one um, attacking midfielder instead of two. And then you've got three up front which actually is at the moment, it's not Leroy Sane, Aguero and Sterling all on top form. It's Sterling who's bumbling around. It's Jesus who's hit and miss and Mares who's hit and miss. And you look at what's, you know, that front six that we had just two years ago and, and the front six now, it's chalk and cheese. The only person who's there playing in any level of good form is KDB. Yeah. And the rest are inferior to what we had two or three That's, years ago. So... Give me about one minute to get queued up here, guys. I'm just waiting to see if Portal win. They're going to win. They were losing at home to Tondela, 
never heard of, but uh, they've come back. And uh, Troy are on top of Ligue 2 in France. And Troy, the sister club, are one of the clubs City bought this year. Yeah, that's so true. It looks like uh, Troy, uh, they, they beat Paris FC. And it looks like they you know, the top of the table, so they've got a good chance of being promoted. They've got a game in hand over Paris on the same number of points. Um so they could be in Liga. So it's from City's point of view, I think as Girona in Liga at the moment, did they get promotion? So you could have end up with Girona, Troy in the top leagues um, in their respective countries, which is great when you're sending kids out. It's great when when the Brexit thing comes in, and you can't get 16 year olds anymore from Europe. In in the past, we could you could get kids from age 16. Now they have to be at least 18. And pass, you know, get a, in effect, a work permit, which is not going to be easy. But it's great if you, you know, if you if you bring in Brazilian kids over, um, send them to Belgium or France, give them two or three years around Europe, like maybe at Lomaleske in Belgium, and if they do well, send them off to Troy or Girona, um, and you can do a couple of years there, two or three years, and if they're good enough, they come to City. But and by that stage, they'll get a, a work permit. Right, guys, let's get, let's get stuck in, shall we? Go on. All right, here we go. Welcome, everyone, to the very latest Bolt from the Blue podcast. And uh, we are in a sort of a celebratory mood today because the league looks a little bit more healthy now. And uh, the two people I've got to discuss that with me are number one, City Fan TV's Ray. Ray, how are you doing? What are you doing? How's it going? I'm, I'm, I'm just doing this pod, then going to bed, mate. It's half 11 in Paris at night. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm uh, you know I, I, I always say City win. You're in a in a good mood, so I hope I'm not uh, um, you know spoiler alert. <laughs> We're going to talk uh, about City winning games, uh, which is an unusual thing. Uh, yeah, indeed. Certainly with the goals going in quite quickly like that. We also have Mr. Colin Sauvage or Presswich Blue. How are you doing, Colin? I'm good. I'm having a busy evening. It's um, King of the Kipax Deadline weekend. Uh-huh. So uh, I've been a bit dilatory in doing my usual article, so I'm trying to catch up at the moment. So what, what uh, is I'm probably going to have a late night, and um, if I can get it out of the way, I can get to see my daughter and granddaughter. Well, what is the topic under uh, analysis for you at uh, KOTK then, Cole? Um, that's a good question. I've forgotten. Um, <laughs> part of it is about um, oh, Pep's new contract, of course, and what that means for us. Um, the whole CFG setup and and how it impacts on City, um, uh, and the return of fans, and of course the latest shenanigans with the Champions League, um, with this <laughs> whole Swiss um, system they're talking about. Oh, I thought you were talking about that um, salty guy from Porto there, but um, oh no 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 no, consensal, condescending yeah. consensal. Well. Uh... Colin, I hope that you will put a little paragraph in your article about how crap Pep is at substitutes, which seems to be the flavour <laughs> of the day uh, over here. There's a, a it, guy it is that, weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he, he screened for five subs, but don't think I he's used three since. Oh, my gosh. He's the world's worst at substitutions, it seems. But anyway, so someone guys. Did, someone did suggest that perhaps Mikel Arteta was the one who <laughs> actually, you know, he gets so involved in the games, perhaps Arteta had to remind him. <laughs> yeah, it's the 60th minute, Pep. We've got to get someone on. But um, here we go, guys. Uh, Manchester City 2, 
Fulham nil. And uh, we were, uh, a lot of us were talking about just how toothless City have been um, and how they just basically lost any clinical edge. And uh, Ray, we only had to wait five minutes and there's a goal in the back of the net and it isn't against us, so we know we're going to win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it's, look Fulham are a side you're expecting to beat. I've got to say, Fulham, um, they took the game a little bit to us. Um, I was really surprised to see them set up with a 5-2-3 formation with f- uh, five at the back, which is fair enough. Two guys screening and then three up top, uh, waiting until we, we were getting near their half. And then they were trying to steal the ball from us and press. And then those two players, they were also looking, maybe one of them would try and press and try and nick the ball of us. Um, and the funny thing is, I mean, uh, that, that, the goal we scored after four minutes wasn't the first um, good ch- chance we had. Um, Raheem, Raheem Sterling scored the goal after four minutes, but he had another very good chance on two minutes. Uh, and in my notes, I've written, he must score. But he hits it straight at the keeper. Um, he didn't really... He was on the left of the goal. He just had to open his body up and put it in the far corner, and he just hit it at the keeper. And it's something I've... Uh, been critical of, of him just hitting it at the keeper uh, and my notes were you can't afford to miss well actually in this game we could afford to miss because two two minutes later we get the ball around the halfway line KDB feeds Sterling this time Sterling's more central or slightly on the right he's on his right foot um, and he clips it into the corner and it, actually he never looked like missing and that caused some fans to say, why can't Sterling play on the right? You know, when he's through on the right, he's, he's he just seems to be more confident uh, and uh, he scores more goals. That, that's just the feeling. Um, but yeah, one nil up so early and it's like, I think most Fulham fans will, would have been really worried that they could have been hit for six or seven. Uh, and, and if truth be told, we probably should have hit them for at least four or five um, but uh, it was it was good to get on the on the score sheet nice and early and and uh, take away some nervous butterflies if we had them uh, as fans watching the game. Yeah, because yeah, I think um, there, there was a little bit of nerve because Fulham, of course, have got that great result at Leicester. Uh, and while I think Brendan Rodgers can be a bit of a, an up and down coach, he's still you know it's just one of those strange results that, that have been happening time and time again this season. So so it, you know there was a perhaps a feeling that perhaps Fulham have found a bit of a formula to deny the more attack-minded teams. But, um, no, I mean, as, as Ray said, we could have been 2 nil up inside five minutes. So Yeah, and Ray, I was uh, listening to your um, your uh, interview with the uh, Fulham lads and I was looking out for this um, Adamola Lukman fella yep. that apparently was supposed to terrify us. Um, and uh, those, the Fulham guys in that pod, they were quite chipper and, um, and uh, looking forward to a positive result, it seemed. Well, <laughs> and one of them got on the blower straight away and said, "Look, you know, I, at least they got the result right because he he, he said uh, they lose two 0 I think the best they could really hope for was uh, to to hold out for a draw, but uh, I think it, I think it depends on age. The younger younger folk they tend to be the most optimistic, expecting their team to uh, to win, uh, whereas the older chaps are a little bit more realistic and say we can hope for a draw. My head says." Uh, you know, uh, we lose, but my heart says we you know we will get a, we'll nick a point out of it. But you know, they also said it's a it's like a free hit. Uh, and actually, you give some credit to Fulham; they didn't get spanked. I mean, they could have got spanked, but they've gone out of there losing two 0 You know, uh, saved a bit of face, bit of respectability. Um, so 
I think generally the fans expected to lose, and I'm probably just glad they didn't get pumped like Burnley did last week. Uh, Burnley probably the worst. I'm sure we might talk about them later. The worst side I've seen uh, play City this season, and and at the end of the day, it might it might come down to goal difference that keeps you in the league. So you know, um, Fulham will be uh, bizarrely quite happy to lose two 0 but it's funny. Well, I mean, yeah. the, the, the thing was, they, they've come to the Etihad before. I mean, obviously, not since the takeover, but they, they've come to the Etihad and given us a, us a good hiding. I think they won two two games in consecutive seasons. I think we'd, we'd been, they came, didn't they come from 2 0 down to win 3 2 or something one season? Yeah, there was, yeah, one yeah. of the, there was a game. There was a game that they reminded me of uh, where they beat us and uh, I said, move along, lads, move along. Well, it's not when you play Fulham. It's you're normally expecting to have a game ahead tennis with Mitrovic. He was on the bench, um, and in City's uh, rear guard, you had uh, Diaz and Stones. And I'm just wondering um, about all of these rumours regarding Pep and um, Laporte, who apparently is um, fit again but is not getting picked. What's going on there, then, Ray? Don't know. I mean, Pep Pep said he's basically not going to. Uh, pick players on reputation alone or what they've done in the past. It's what they're showing now. Um, he's going to pick players on that basis. I've got no problem. I've got absolutely no problem with Laporte not playing. I've, I've said earlier this season, he's not, uh, and I said it last season, he's not, uh, and the way I've put it, with the way I framed it, didn't go down too, uh, too well. It was an unpopular comment, but Laporte isn't as good as City fans make him out to be. That's my opinion. He's not as good as City fans make him out to be. I mean, for whatever reason, he's not even the best four or five centre-backs for France because France won't pick him. Now, you can argue the players aren't as good as him or whatever, uh, but I, I just, I'm not one of these fans who blows wind up the backsides of our players and, and says they're the best thing since sliced bread and everything else. I try and if I can be realistic, that I think the days of thinking our players are the best have gone for me. I'm I'm just too old for that and, and just trying to see as objectively as I can. And Stones, I'm really pleased Stones is back. I thought he'd be gone this summer, the way Pep was talking towards the end of last season. But Pep said Stone needs games. He needs games to get into his rhythm, to get his confidence back and to get his form. Now, He's played three games uh, back-to-back, uh, three clean sheets, three um, pretty straightforward performances. He's hardly put a foot wrong. You've got to temper that a little bit by saying, you know, what, who would beat? We beat Fulham. We beat Porto, who, sorry, we drew with Porto in midweek, who didn't really offer that much. And we beat Burnley, who uh, I think Burnley can be best described as the Zimbabwe of the Premier League. Uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll, if, you, if we talk about that game, you'll know why I said that. Um, but So I, I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed for Stones that he's getting games. Um, I, I hope, you know, this continues and he, if he can start the derby and have a good game in the derby and keep another clean sheet with Diaz, who seems to be almost an ever-present. And I think that now makes seven clean sheets for City this season out of nine games, so last nine games. So, you know, um, as the Italians would do it, you know, we build from the back as Mancini did it. You know, we try and make sure that other teams don't score against us and then we'll get a goal or two. So, hey, uh, you know, it's it's a different way to do it um, from what we've seen in the last four years 
from Pep. But if we can win games one or two, three nil, um, bring it on. I'm, I'm I'm happy enough with that. And Colin Savage, uh, let's uh, come on to this. Um, what is going to be a regular section of uh, the pod for the next few pods? Anyway, it's called Mendy Watch. How about <laughs> Monsieur Mendy? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's nice to sort of get a run of games, isn't it? And, and you know, not not play one game and then be off injured for another three weeks or whatever it is. So, um, and he's doing okay. You know, he's not um, he's not made a fool of himself. Uh, and some of his crosses have been quite, um, you know, uh, what we expect. And I think uh, there's been a couple of games where, where we've been thinking, well, that's the Mendy we thought we were buying. So, so let's hope, fingers crossed. That uh, our Ben is, is is back to form, and um, you know we get a run of games out of him because you know goodness knows we need a regular left back because Sinchenko was absolutely miserable against uh, Porto. I've never awesome. seen. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, it was just um, terrible. And I like you know Sinchenko. You can't dislike him. He's um, you know, he could have got a move quite easily, but he decided to fight for his place. But and you know, again, he's not getting a run of games, but he was never the greatest in that left back spot. Um, you know, if we're going to keep him, I don't really don't know why we don't play him in this attacking midfield spot and you know, perhaps give you know Kevin De Bruyne a, a break get on again. But anyway, uh, anyway, can I can I interject on Laporte? Because I've got a theory. I'm sure you'd love to hear. It. Yeah, go on. You're, going to, you're going to anyway, whether you want. To. I I I'm guessing. I have no no word on it. His form has dipped somewhat. I, I I was accused of being hyperbolic. When I mentioned on Blue Moon, he was awful. <laughs> but I didn't think he was good against Spurs. And, and uh, which game was it? Um, was it Olympiak? I can't remember. One of the one of the Champions League games he was again not good. And um, and I think we talked about this on the pod, didn't we? Uh, when we were talking about the Spurs game. So I, I think something's been said to him in training, and he's taken it badly, and he said something he shouldn't. And I think he's been punished for that until he until he mends his ways. But um, you know, perhaps last season we couldn't have afforded to upset him. But you look at this season, we've got you know, Diaz who's come in and made a huge difference. I'm so thrilled for John Stones because you know, again, he look he's looking like the player we bought. You know, a really confident centre half who looks good on the ball, and uh, certainly those two games he's played have been excellent. So, so I'm really thrilled for him. And now, from from saying. You know, we've got like an injured company in Ottomendi, uh, you know, Mr. Brainfart. And, and apparently the uh, the Benfica guys aren't too pleased with him. Benfica <laughs> fans aren't too pleased with him to put him mildly. They probably had, one of a, had an Ottomendi moment in their last game. Um, we've now got, I mean, when Ake comes back, but we've now got four top-class centre-halves, haven't we? And um, things look so much better, don't they? Yeah, you can just imagine it in training. It's him. Um... He's uh, hit a, bot, a bad pass and Pep's get stuck into him. And he's, oh, bugle off Pep, come sit down. <laughs> and uh, that's him in the doghouse, it, it seems. Um, but uh, in this city lineup, uh, Ray, uh, everyone's got their famous uh, jumper. Everyone's got their famous coat. And if you put them together, you get a coatigan. And uh, here we have a Rodrigan. Once more, Rodri and Gunduan. Uh, what do you reckon? Well, most City fans that, that we see on social media are not keen on Rodri and Gundogan playing together. Uh, they're not keen on Rodri and Fernandinho playing together. Uh, they believe uh, it slows things down a lot. And why do you need a double pivot? Um, now I saw something on T4 Football earlier this week explaining what's happened since David Silva's moved on. Um, 
and we've ended up with this double pivot. So it, what's it's, happened, Ray, is that his Spanish team are near the top of the league. That's what's happened, <laughs> and that's why people are looking at it and say, "Well, look, Sociedad a, a second in the table. David Silva's got some assists and stuff, and they're playing good football." Um, and why aren't City? Especially earlier in the season when we were losing and drawing and uh, looking a bit drab and not creating that much. But the pro- the thing is now, because Pep's always going to go with Rodri, okay? Now, Rodri's young. He's got, uh, hopefully, a very bright f- future ahead of him. But he's not the real deal. And he needs help. Help to defend. And that's why we see him paired with uh, Gundogan. And Fernandinho. And in the past, we, we spoke off the pod. And I was just mentioning in the past, we had Fernandinho as a DM, and that's it. No one, you know, we didn't need to free him up or anything. He was the man. He freed up KDB and David Silva to do their stuff. And um, the, in the last few years, they were on top of their game. You know, when we won the league those two seasons recently under Pep, they were both on the top of their game, as was Fernandinho. And we had. Uh, Leroy Sane, Aguero and Sterling up front who were also on the top of their game. Six fantastic players at the peak uh, and uh, some of them at the peak of their talents, others uh, playing wonderfully well while still young and but once David, especially once David Silva left Rodri last season wasn't doing it when he was on his own at DM you know, um, he wasn't doing it and then we, we, noticed, we lost a lot, a lot more games last season and so now Pep's doing this double pivot. It helps to protect our defence. And we're, we're, we're now um, conceding fewer goals. We're keeping clean sheets. And uh, KDB is basically our attacking midfielder on his own. So he's pushed up a bit further, um, which is sometimes why you see him just walking back into midfield when we're under pressure, at the uh, when it's, our team's breaking on us. Um, and then with the three guys up front. So it's changed a lot. The system's changed. Um, and we're going to, I just can't see how Pep can get away from this double pivot. And as fans, I think we've got to hope that Rodri picks up um, the defending nows that Fernandinho had, how to do those little innocuous fouls that um, would give away a free kick, but would destroy an attack, or destroy a, a dangerous attack that was bubbling Um uh, he was just a master of, of that. Rodri isn't, he's not as fast as well. So he's hes caught out a little bit more often and he takes more yellow cards earlier in games. Um, but I don't think we can get away from um, the double pivot, as I said, until Rodri gets a lot better at the defensive side of the game or unless we get somebody else. And, and I'm not so sure Pepe's going to do that. We might, you know, we've, we've talked in the past about um, uh, Ismail Benassa for AC Milan and Douglas Louise, who we've got a buyback clause on him. Dennis Zakaria. And that's the other guy I was going to mention, Dennis Zakaria, or Z- however you want to call him. So there are a few names out there, but with Rodri being only 23, it could be Pepe's going to persist for the next season or two with him and hope that he's that man. And, and I think we need him to be, or whoever it is. You know, if we want to play the style that we've been playing in the last few years, we need to have just one guy there and not the double pivot. But if you could be, you can argue that Pep's being more cautious now. He doesn't want teams breaking on us. Um, and in some respects, you can you can agree with that because you'd like to think with our fantastic front four, whoever we throw out there, they should be good enough to score the goals that we need. And if we can stop teams um, scoring against us then those guys should be enough. But 
we've seen it quite a few times. We're not as clinical as we have been in recent years. And we're not as creative uh, overall, I don't think, uh, especially with clear-cut chances as we have been in the last few years. So maybe it's, it is a change. Pep's changing things are, are around. And as fans, we just have to accept it. Uh, we're going through a transition, uh, transitional phase. And uh, hopefully, um, we'll, we'll keep getting better. We've seen we've, we have got better as the season has progressed. And uh, let's just hope that we can go from strength to strength and, and carry on and finish this season really well and take that into next season and do even better. Well, just picking up on a few of the points there that um, Ray mentioned, yeah, it, it's definitely about time that Rodri mastered the uh, swift and concussive but gentle and loving uh, elbow to the throat, which uh, Fernandinho does so well. Um, but you did mention the double pivot. Let me give you a double pivot of stats, uh, Colin. So City have scored as many goals in their last two Premier League games as they had in their previous seven. But that must be tempered by the fact that Fulham have conceded more goals than in the other Premier League season, aside the season with the 21. So I'm going to ask you that age-old pod question Um how much was it of us being good or them being crap in this game? Um, I, you know, I, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because they, I understand why teams come to the Etihad to set their stall out to defend. And sort of the commentary on the stream I watched, um, they were talking about Fulham playing a 7-3-0. <laughs> and, and, and that made me, it, you know, Jim Begging doesn't make me laugh very often, but... Um, uh, that, that made me laugh, and he was right. It, I, I understand why why sides come to the Etihad and, and defend for the lives because you know they've seen what we did to teams like Burnley last week. And but Burnley, you know, uh, they're not having a very good season, but but they're normally able to defend quite well. Uh, Fulham, obviously, it's a, a fight for survival. It was always going to be a fight for survival. What, what, what I don't get is that when they went 2-0 down, and that was, what, in the uh, 25th minute or something, um, why why did they not still not come out of their own half? Uh, and, and it seems to me that Fulham did their job well, but their job was so limited, uh, and their ambition, apart from about five minutes at the beginning of the second half, was just to keep the scoreline down. And it, it's really, you know, football's an entertainment game. What entertainment is that? Um just when you're 2-0 down, you should be coming out, at least having a go. Even if you go down, you know, 3-0, you know, what is the... I, I understand the goal difference could be important to them at the end of the season, could be important to us as well. But, but um, you know, it's like, um, I, I may have got my sports confused, but I think in um, in horse racing, you can get sanctioned for not trying hard enough. And I think, um, you know, you see referees in boxing telling a boxer who's, getting a bit of a battering and just standing there protecting himself to actually box. Uh, you know, and I joked on Twitter, you know, perhaps if club, if a teams play like that, the referees should send one of their players off every five minutes. Play the game. If they insist on not coming over the halfway line. Or, or, or perhaps, you know, someone suggested a cattle prod, uh, which is quite tempting um, for anyone left in their own half. But seriously, you know, it'd be nice if... if uh, a panel reviewed the game afterwards and said, "You made no attempt to entertain. Uh, we're going to knock a couple of points off you. Any, uh, you know, a couple of X. You didn't get any points. We're going to knock another point off you. You know, perhaps that would change things." Yeah, there was there was that. There was just that period. I, I remember your tweet, and um, as you said, uh, they're two 0 down, and they're they're stuck in their own half and not making any attempt to get out at all. So yeah, they really looked like they could do with you know 
three or four thousand volts up them. Well, the thing is, Mike, they had Mitrovic on the bench. Yeah. Now, that's a different option. Um, You know, and he's been their main player for the last, uh, main goal scorer for the last three seasons. So, you know, it's baffling that uh, sometime in the second half they didn't put Mitrovic on and play that long ball. And I can understand Scott Parker wanting to play his system, wanting to stick to what he's doing um, and, 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 and showing that it works. But... You know, if it was if it wasn't for the fact that City actually weren't bothered in the second half, um, you know, to, to to actually finish the job off and batter them, uh, they would have got battered. Um, you know, I, I think if City really wanted to, we would have hit them for five or six. Um, and, and the only reason it was down to two because I think City, you know, City conserving themselves want to get to a good lead uh, as they did many times last season. Even though we did score over a hundred goals, I think I think it was hundred and two. Many games we just. Uh, you know, showed up shop and said, that's it, we're 2-0 we're up. There's no need for us to bust a gut to score three, four, five. If the third and fourth goal come along in, in the course of, you know, our, our uh, training session, uh, which is what it's become, we'll take it, but we're not going to bust a gut. Uh, and I think that was the same again. So it's, it's disappointing that they didn't, Fulham didn't, you know, throw things up in, into the mix and, and have a go at us. But, you know, what can we do as a city? We've just got to beat what's out there. Because well, if, you get, it... if you get a goal, anything could happen. You know, how, how many times have we seen that in a game where teams turn up and cruising, the opposition get a goal, and, the, and, and and we've seen it with City. You know, we go to pieces. Or, you know, the team ahead goes to pieces. The team that's got the goal gets a bit of momentum, gets a bit of confidence. The team that, that that's on the, on you know, 2-1 up, they um, they start to panic and flap a bit and, and run around like headless chickens. So, you know, what, what have you got to lose? You know, the worst that can happen is you'll concede another goal. Uh, in the way we're finishing at the moment, I'm not sure that's much of a risk. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we um, we have another little record here, guys, and this will bring us nicely on to, to the next section, and that is that we now have a new um, penalty-winning win- king. He's won 20 penalties in the Premier League, more than any player in the competition's history, and his name, Ray, is... Raheem the Dream. Raheem the Dream yeah. still, isn't it? Let's talk about that penalty. Um, if he had, Well, simple. If he hadn't um, gone down, we wouldn't have got the penalty. I have no um, doubt about that. Yeah, um, he's gone to the Mane Salah finishing school, hasn't he? Well, that's it, you know. But, you know, but that, but there was a, another game this evening. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, um, was it the United one or um, the one after that? Where a player got fouled in the box. He didn't go down and he didn't get the free kick. And, you know, th- apparently there's been double the number of penalties as that were last season. It's averaging a penalty every other game. That's every two games is a penalty. Um, and, and players know if, if there's a touch in the box, you've got to go down. Um, and uh, the, the referee will give it or not. And then how we review it. And if there's a touch, however slight, it'll be a penalty. So... It, you know, and, and as I said on the com- commentary, on the BT commentary, until referees have the guts to give penalties if a player stands on his feet and doesn't get an advantage, um, then the, what, what other option do the players have? And, we, you know, we see it time and time again. The player tries to stay on his feet. Um, two seconds later, he, he, you know, there's no advantage. They don't get the penalty. So, you know, as I said, if, unless the referees changed their cowardly behaviour, and not giving uh, the you know give the advantage if nothing accrues, give the penalty. It's simple as that. Um, and yeah, it, it, it was it was um, it's not as good uh, as uh, 
Salazar man is. They'd have probably done a, a double flip uh, or twist on the way down. You know, uh, the, the sniper. Pike, surely, that's yeah. it. That's it. Uh, you know, the 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 the, the sniper in in uh, in in the stands. Um, I mean, that's the way they go down. They, they, that's just. I mean, Sterling just went down basically very softly. But Salah and Mane, um, you know, they they go down as if they were scythed down, um, you know, by a, a Duncan Ferguson or something, or absolutely smashed into when it's just a little tap. So you, you can see why they do it. And uh, look, you know, uh, we have to take accept the penalties. That's the way the football is. Next season. It might not be so. It might be different. <laughs> They'll have changed the rules again, which frustrates fans even more. Uh, the constant changing of the rules ever so slightly. They change them ever so slightly, but it makes a huge difference. Like the handball rule, changing that makes a huge difference. A small change, huge difference. Um, and, and some people are saying it's not always for the better. But, you know, uh, whilst we've got hopefully a good penalty taker in KDB, um, the more we win, the more we score. I mean, you know, that's how Bruno Fernandes has suddenly become a fantastic player for the, for the dirty half of um, Manchester. Um, he's got tons of penalties, uh, goals from penalties. So you've got to take them when, they, when they're there. But it, it doesn't feel, it doesn't always feel right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, of course, the penalty was coolly dispatched by Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, and then... It's normally at this stage, of course, that you get um, Ederson, who, you know, puts the deck chair out and gets the pipe and slippers in the newspaper. But it seemed that the whole City team after that point were uh, on the beach, as they say, at the end of the season. Uh, Colin, what did you think? Yeah, well, that second half was almost like, a, a you say, apart from that, the first five, ten minutes when Fulham actually did come out and have a go and looked, uh, looked reasonably dangerous. Um Really, the, um, the the game was a over as a spectacle, really, wasn't it? We had um, Kevin De Bruyne hitting the post. Um, we had, I think, one or two other chances, but no one seemed particularly bothered, did they? And um, uh, you know, and well, well, um, if, I wouldn't say anyone. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say anyone had a, a great game. Uh, uh, then I wouldn't say anyone had a bad game. Although Gabriel Jesus came fairly close, <laughs> if not crossed the line. I, I think he. He had a really poor game, but you know, Raheem Sterling disappeared in the second half, didn't he? And uh, Morris um, did have a good game. I pro- probably uh, he was p- quite possibly him or, or Can- Cancelo. They seem to combine very well, so um, uh, Cancelo looked very good on the right. But um, you know, it was just like we were in second gear, and the players weren't particularly bothered and wanted to get over with as quickly as possible. And uh, and uh, Fulham quite happy to oblige us. Now, uh, let's just take a, a, a brief intermission from the action or non-action and explain this to me, uh, guys, as someone that lives in Korea. I'm just seeing the headline about, obviously, uh, Chelsea uh, beating uh, Leeds. And there were 2,000 fans um, at the stadium. Now, it looked why, to be a lot more than 2,000, from what uh, I could see. That's, that's what I'm reading. But um, what, why are uh, they getting 2,000 fans down there and... Um, City can only have like um, a few journos, right? Well, I can exp- I can explain this if you don't mind because I've been talking talking to City on Thursday night about this. It, it depends what what tier you're in. Um, when I say tier, I don't mean like East Stand level one. Uh, you know, it's for COVID purposes. So now we've come out of lockdown. 
the country's been split into three tiers, tier one, tier two, uh, and tier three. So uh, 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 if you're in tier three, you can't uh, open the ground at all. If you're in tier two, you're going to have 2,000 fans. Uh, fans sorry. If you're in tier one, you can have 4,000 fans in the ground. Now, so so it depends what tier you're in. Now, um, so Manchester's in tier three, but there'll be a, uh, a, re- a review of that on December the 16th. So that's uh, week on Thursday, I think. And uh, the, the club, the city, are anticipating Manchester being taken down into tier two. So we're hoping to get 2,000 fans in the ground for the Newcastle game on Boxing Day. And um, um, there will be, the club will should be opening. Well, it's all dependent, of course. So uh, if, if the government say that Manchester's still going to be in tier three, then all the plans are on hold. But the, the club is imminently going to be inviting fans um, to submit their names for ballots for tickets. But uh, when we first started talking about this, we were, we were looking at 15,000 fans. But uh, at best, we're only looking at 2,000, which is a shame. And of course, that, and, and the rules are it, that um, uh, you have to be socially distant. So uh, the, the the general rule seems to be you can apply for two tickets as a group. So so you and another season ticket holder in your bubble in a tier two category, for example, can apply for tickets together as as kind of one application. You you've um, you you'll be told when you can go in into the ground. Um, you, you will have to sit with your mask on. Um, they won't be selling any beer or food inside the ground, but you can buy food on the campus and then take it in. So it's going to be a very uh, oh you have to have you have to submit a medical questionnaire. You will have your temperature taken before going into the ground. Uh, you will have to prove you are who you are who you are, and, and your because your name will be on the ticket. There will be no physical tickets. It will be uh, all mobile digital ticketing. So it's going to be a fairly strange experience for those who want to be on the ground. And uh, if if you can imagine kind of 2,000 people, I think it's just going to be the East Stand. Uh, so you can imagine 2,000 people in Tiers 1, I think in 2 of the East Stand. So 1,000 in each. It's going to be like, you know, is it going to be worth it? But, uh, and I, I did notice that there was some fan noise, but you're not supposed to take your mask off unless it's to eat and drink. That's the rule. So a lot of people seem to be, Breaking that rule, Chelsea. What I could see. How on earth do London get tier two and uh, Manchester gets tier three? I can't possibly comment on that. <laughs> being a civil servant, uh huh. I, I can, but there's no point. Uh, it's it's uh, you know without going down the political route um, on a football chat show. Um, you know, it's just the way it is. You know, where the poor Northerners. And um, we ain't getting out, you know. So we just there's not much we can do. Uh, I know that Spurs and other London clubs, especially, they're uh, trying to petition to get more fans because they say, look, you know, we've got a sixty thousand seat stadium, uh, and we can socially distance a lot more than two thousand. Uh, the two thousand seems a very arbitrary number, two and four thousand. Because, you know, they turn around and say, look, even if we're in tier two, you know, we've got a 60,000-seat stadium. And if we use all um, four sides of the stadium, you know, if City, for, for argument's sake, if City are putting 2,000 fans into one stand, then why can't they put 2,000 fans into each stand? 
we, you know, if we're socially distancing them in one stand, why can't we do that in all of the stands? And actually, we'd have something like probably 10,000 fans because obviously you've got the south stand, which is a bit bigger, and you can, but they'll close bits off or whatever. The city could fit 10,000, Spurs could probably fit uh, more. And I think that's why City were talking initially of 15,000 fans. That's what they apparently believe they can socially, uh, comfortably and uh, properly social distance. So some of the London clubs, they they want the fans. They make, they're losing so much money. You know, when you think that United last season, their match day income was, I think it was £111 million. Pounds. Uh, they played about, let's say, just over 50-odd games. So United are getting a, a, a fair bit of money from that. Liverpool get a lot of money, uh, as do Spurs, Arsenal, and Chelsea, and you know, Chelsea. I saw today one of their um, one of their packages is four hundred and seventy five pounds for a ticket. It's to do with the hospitality package, so that's what they were offering fans, um, and fans took it. And it's something I talked about uh, 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 earlier in the week that there will be some clubs that are looking at this and say, "How much can we squeeze out of this?" You know, um, even you might think, well, 2,000 fans, that's not a lot. But if if he, each of 2,000 fans is paying 200 quid, that's 400,000 pounds, if, if I'm right. Um, well, I, can't, I can't work it out. So uh, <laughs> it's past midnight here for me to work it out. So, but if, yeah, it, it, it can, uh, you know, work out uh, as a fair amount of money. Um, yeah, it's 400 grand. I'm right. I'm right. Uh, um, so, you know, if you do that over the space of 15 games that's left in the season, that's six million quid. And actually, that's a fair bit of money. So um, it's going to be interesting. And I, I saw someone who, who um, went to the Arsenal game against Rapid Vienna in, in the Europa League on Thursday. <laughs> and you saw their receipt. And it, obviously, there's a lot of booze involved. And at the end, Scott Chegg, £7.50. Uh, <laughs> That is a hell of a <laughs> chorizo scotch egg, £7.50. But clubs have, you know, uh, they're going to, uh, and I, I can see this going forward. If, if we're not going to get more than 2,000 fans, clubs are going to look for in, innovative ways to get the high rollers in. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be tickets for £1,000 with uh, you know, exceptional hospitality uh, because they want to make the money. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how City do it because we've got, if at the last count, I think we had about 43,000 season card holders. And it's going to be interesting to see how many, uh, even if we've got 40,000, that's still a lot, how many of them are actually wanting to be in the ballot, whether City say it has to be certain postcodes. That happened in Liverpool. You had to have a either a Liverpool postcode or a, um, a Halton, which is where I think Widnes is, um, because they're on a different postcode. And they're not actually far from Liverpool itself. Um, it's on, on the border uh, and so they had to be one of their postcodes and they had less the fewer than 6,000 fans applied for the 2,000 tickets which is interesting because 25,000 Everton fans fall into that category so you got a good idea uh, who has the local fan base and who doesn't uh, and it could be it could be similar in, in, in Manchester but it's going to be interesting to see how um, City actually do theirs and whether they do it in a uh, on a reasonably fair in a, in a reasonably fair way. Well, guys, I'm, I'm going to ask the guys to bring up their Premier League table so that we can have a look at it because it's sort of, um, with that uh, win, um, the table as it stands now before everyone goes off and plays um, game 11 ahead of us, 
Um, it's looking a lot more like the thing, as we would say. And uh, City sitting on 18 points. The league leaders are Chelsea. They've played a game more and uh, they're on 22. So it's really beginning to look a little bit more traditional near the top. Now, one of the interesting things is this team in fourth place, Colin Savage. Manchester United has has Ollie finally got his hold, got, got a hold on that steering wheel and, and steering this thing in the right direction, do you think? Well, it looks like, I mean, they've turned more corners, as I think Ray said, turned more corners than Lewis Hamilton, haven't they? And uh, <laughs> well, I think it was Ray said it on the last pod, so if... if um, if I've pinched that, I apologise. No, no, I didn't say uh, that. Yeah, we pinched it. No, pinched well, it. So, someone said it. anyway. So, um, yeah, but you know, the, the, the save our save our Ollie campaign is, um, you know, had a bit of a boost. I mean, and who would have thought that David Moyes would be the man to uh, to do it? But you know, well, one thing I, I watched some of the game. That's um, why I was doing something else. But they have this ability, don't they, to come from behind, whereas our ability. It, it's noted when we're behind at half time. It's how many million games you know dinosaurs uh, roamed the earth last time we came from behind at half time. But they're doing it regularly, so you know they are doing something right. Uh, although West Ham's defending was absolutely awful, um, and Bruno Fernandez made a huge difference. I wish we'd got him because uh, at least would have kept him away from them. Um, but yeah, you just never know what they're going to do. They just you know they don't look. Desperately impressive, do they? I mean, Greenwood um, looks good every now and again. Uh, Marshall's fallen off a cliff. Rashford's hit and miss, um, and yet they, you know they scored more goals than us, and um, but conceded a lot more, of course. So the um, thing is, they've won the last. I, it is, it's basically the last four league games. The last four league games they've won. So actually, before that, they played six games and got seven points. Um, and they've just won the last four games and got 12 points out of them. And that's what's propelled them um, from somewhere near the bottom um, to somewhere near the top. Uh, What a difference uh, four wins make. It's just four wins on the bounce, and that's it. Yeah, particularly particularly early in the season, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because they'd only won two out of the first half dozen games, and now they've won four on the bounce. And, and, you know, the games they've won, all right, you you should be beating West Brom at home. Uh, but, you know, they won at Southampton, they won at West Ham and they won at Everton, all teams which have, you know, showed some form um, early in the season. So, uh, w- well, we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm a bit worried about next week now. I wish we were playing at Old Trafford, to be honest. But um, <laughs> it, 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 some, I think it was, I think as Simon Curtis said on Twitter, um, you know, uh, a team that takes 20 chances to score a goal playing a team that scores three goals from two chances. Um, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you reckon, guys? That top five are they're they're going to be the ones battling up, battling it up for the top four slots? Do you think uh, top six? So I, I think I'd certainly include Leicester in that, and I wouldn't exclude Southampton, um, Wolves. You know, Wolves aren't far but, away. You know, you look down, you look down to tenth place, and um, you know, I think I said this: um, competition is going to be really stiff. This season, because that you know, it, it's not that there are just four teams these days. You know, teams like Wolves, teams like Everton, or Everton have fallen away a little bit. Southampton have surprised us all. West Ham have surprised us all. Uh, you know, we know what Leicester can do. So that, you know, there's ten teams fighting for six, you know, fighting for you know those those top seven slots, and it's great, really. I mean, you look at the bottom half, 
Um, and even then, you know, you've got teams like Leeds and Arsenal down there. Uh, you know, Burnley and Sheffield United, who both last season did pretty well. You know, Burnley have often finished in the top top half of the table. So, um, you know, I think, we, you know, the more money teams have got, um, the, the less the gap has become, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you might laugh at someone like Aston Villa and say, well, what can they do? But they've got two games in hand on Chelsea. And Aston Villa, you know, it's one of these. You win those two games behind, they're one point off Chelsea. Uh, well, one of those games in hand is, of course, against us. Well, yeah, but who's to say we, uh, who, who's going to win that? You know, you'd yeah, like yeah. to think on form. It's us, but, you know, Villa, you know, look, Villa started off the season with far, uh, with four wins on the bounce. Um, and, OK, they've lost four out of the last five games, but why can't they just turn it around and start winning again? You know, it, it's 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 going to be, as we've said, if, someone, if a team can put six, seven, eight wins together, they'll be top of the table. And as I said, Man United put four wins together on the bounce and they've gone from, you know, in, in the bottom third uh, to, to fourth, with just yeah. with four wins on the spin. I've, I've got to say about one thing about City. The, 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 I've got to temper a little bit. You know, you you get what we what's referred to as happy clappers who always see the bright side of things, um, jumping up and saying City are back, City are back. You know, we've when we every time we won a game in Europe, they said City are back, and then when we struggled in the league, they were always quiet. And then when we won in the, in the Champions League, City are back. I just want to say, I'm not I'm not a, a pessimist or a doom monger or whatever. Just look at who we've won five games now. Even before today, we'd won four games, which is only two more than uh, Fulham. Um, and who'd we beaten? Sheffield United. Well, they're bottom. We beat Burnley. Well, they're second to bottom. We've just beaten Fulham. They're fourth bottom. We've beaten Arsenal. Well, they're seventh bottom. They're 14th in the league. Those are the teams we'd be, and Wolves, who are, are much higher, they're 10th. But look at the teams we'd beat. That, you know, we beat three out of the bottom four. And look at at the top, look before today. If, when you looked at the teams in the top four, there was Chelsea, who we haven't played yet. Spurs, well, they beat us. Leicester, well, they beat us. And Liverpool, we got a draw with them. And actually, I, um, I did a um, something either last night or earlier on today before the game to say in the teams above us that we played, we played four games, and that was against Leicester, West Ham. Liverpool and Spurs, we'd got two points at those four games. And the teams at the bottom that we'd played, we'd, the four wins we'd got were against um, four of the five wins or whatever, we, we, before today, sorry, the four wins we had were against Sheffield United, Burnley, uh, Arsenal and Wolves. So we'd beaten teams at the nearer the bottom. So I don't want to get too, you know, I don't want to be too pessimistic or, or downhearted, but I don't want to get carried away. We don't know how good this City side is. We don't know whether they're back, whether it's just because we're playing teams that are rubbish, you know. Um, that's why um, we've won uh, a few of our recent games. And the, the Euro Europe hasn't told us that much because we, we've generally we played Olympiacos who aren't up to much. Marseille, who are doing really well in France, but in Europe they've been awful. And Porto, so you know, I'm trying to keep my feet on the ground. I'm I'm glad we we started to recover, but you got you just got to, you know, temper that and say wait till we play a decent side and whichever way you want to look at it and how much we want to make fun of United right now, they are the form side. They're in uh, uh, excellent form 
Um, and so that's going to be a really interesting game. The, and the interesting thing is, if you look at the table, um, the top team, Chelsea, are averaging two points a game. Uh, and over mm. 38 games, that's 76 points, which is, yeah, when you think the league's been been won by 90 or 98, 100, 97, what was it last season? Uh, 99. 1999. Um, and we were, we were actually on 81 last season. Um, and, and that could win the league, that 81 could win the league this season. It's true indeed. And uh, some interesting stories as well from uh, around the world. And the one that uh, tickles my fancies, guys, guys, is uh, um, Barcelona 1, Alvaro Negredo 2. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he sticks at one in them and um, they're absolutely in terrible situation at the moment. They're all, it, it's literally, they, you know, the more infighting than the Dutch national team. It's absolutely fascinating to see. And of course, that's uh, that uh, that result goes up on Twitter. And of course, you can you can guess what the reply is. It's uh, beast, beast, as yeah. we used to sing back in those days. Um, he's obviously obviously still got a little bit of something then, Ray. And so is David Silva too. But um, yeah, no, very very interesting. Um, uh, results around the world, crazy-looking tables as well. Um, it's interesting. It has, it's been a funny season, hasn't it? I, say, I think it's going to be uh, a funny season going forward. It is indeed. Uh, perhaps that's probably a good time to, for us to um, to knock it on the head for this particular uh, pod, unless any of the chaps wants to throw down um, anything else that has caught your, your fancy. Um, just briefly mention, obviously, we, we had the nil-nil with Porto in midweek. Yeah. Uh, another one where we had we had a few chances. Uh, neither team really bust a go uh, because they bought, each team knew uh, a draw was enough for what they wanted to achieve this season. City wanted to top the group. A draw would do that. Porto needed a point to confirm themselves to qualify, uh, and they got that. So no one really bust a go. It was a bit uh, disappointing um, after the game. Uh, that Porto put out this newsletter, um, and, and and City actually, I think City came out and made a, a statement about it. Uh, this newsletter, which was basically critical of Fernandinho, saying he lacked class, uh, slating Pep, bringing up the incident with Bernardo Silva last year, um, uh, with this uh, where he got a one-match uh, ban for, for comments uh, he made to uh, his mate Ben Mendy whether you think that's right or wrong, but they brought that up. Uh, and I, I thought that's a little rich. It really was a little rich because Porto, if you remember, several years ago, yeah. their fans racially abused the City players and uh, UEFA found them guilty and fined them. I think it was €20,000 for that. Uh, and quite I mean, oddly, um, they didn't, in, include in that newsletter, anything about their manager, Mr. Consensau, Mr. Condescending Consensau, who... Several years ago, whilst when he was a player, um, he got banned. He got a ban for three years, three-year ban, um, four and a half months, which was uh, active, and the rest was suspended. And he got that ban for spitting at another player, assaulting a referee, and uh, I think he, uh, when he was sent off, making some abusive gestures to the fans. So that's the kind of manager they have. That's the kind of fans they have. 
And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not here trying to score points or, uh, you know. Yes, you are. Stuff. Yes, you are. I, I might be. I might be. But I'm <laughs> just saying it's, it's, it's rather hypocritical of them to have a pop at City just because of some animosity in, in, in you know, they, they saw losers. You know, they felt they should have got something out of the game at City. Well, you know. Uh, when they played in Manchester, well, if you want to get something out of the game, score some more goals, uh, score more goals than us, and then you'll you get something out of the game. Um, so I thought that was a little bit um, below the belt, a little bit low of them. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, and hopefully they're well away from winning the Portuguese league, and hopefully they don't win it. Not that I'm uh, <laughs> hateful or anything, but I hope they don't win the league. And uh, guys, the the boys at uh, Inver Park, the mighty Lorne go on, having just won the uh, County Antrim Shield, they're now top of the Irish Premiership. And uh, you're going to be seeing a lot more about that in uh, my tweets. Uh, My dad doesn't know he's bored at the minute. It's absolutely amazing. They haven't, uh, they haven't, well, first of all, they haven't won anything for over a decade. So that's uh, the last time they were in a final. And this is the first uh, piece of silverware they've won in, uh, 33 years and uh, absolutely fantastic to the boys down there on the East Antrim coast makes me homesick guys makes me homesick but unfortunately we're going to have to wrap this up because we've been going for a good hour and 20 minutes and uh, the boys have got beds to go to so let's bid them farewell let's start off with Colin Savage Colin um, what's your upcoming week looking like is it all Zoom meetings or anything more exciting than that no, no, no. It starts early on Monday morning when I've got to give a presentation to a group of um, uh, my, my divisional senior leadership team on a project we're working on. So um, I should be sweating away on that probably Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, what am I doing? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, talking of teams, Pittsburgh Steelers playing. Well, in UK time, the early hours of Monday morning. Uh-huh. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, that's next week. Um, no, they're, they're playing the Washington football team, uh, formerly known as the Washington Redskins. They're not allowed to be known as the Washington Redskins anymore. So uh, that will, uh, after a somewhat um, underwhelming display against uh, big rivals, at the Baltimore Ravens, which is like us and United in NFL terms, um, they, they managed to prevail somehow. Uh, it should be an easier game against the uh, Washington team. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, sh- I should be watching that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's... Um, and you've got that little B, you've got the, the little King of the Kipax article to squeeze in there as well. I've got that to squeeze in. I've got to get that done. Uh, oh, I won't have any time on Monday, so I've um, got to get that in. And um, you know, I think I've got a busy week this week, actually. It's, um, I think I've something... Oh, of course, we're playing on uh, Wednesday. Is it Wednesday we're playing? Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Um, yeah, and a few other things to fit in. We'll probably have another City Matters meeting um, because we um, we put some proposals to the club about getting fans into the ground and how we do that, which they're considering. And we are um, going to be having four new reps to replace the ones that have stood down. So I'm sure we'll be having a discussion about the shortlist for that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a busy week, but it's a week nearer Christmas, so it's it's my... <laughs> Um, my only five-day week actually working uh, for a few weeks. So uh, I've had a couple, two or three, four-day weeks. I've got a five-day week next week, then a four-day week the week after, and then I'm finished for two weeks. And what was it looking like for you, Ray? All those interviews and videos and everything? It's wall-to-wall football. Uh, Manchester City's women's team are playing tomorrow. Um, and then 
on Wednesday, both men's and women's teams are playing. So City's women are playing in the Champions League away at Gothenburg. And the men's team are playing at home to Marseille. So on the Monday and Tuesday, I've got to do the previews for that. The next weekend, uh, the men's and women's team are playing. Uh, obviously, it's a derby for the men. And City women are playing a big game against Arsenal. Um, so Thursday and Friday, we'll be taking up. We're doing the interviews for that. It's just so much football. And then the following week, on the Tuesday, City are playing West Brom. And the Wednesday, City are playing Gothenburg, the women's team. So obviously, interviews for that. And then um, we've got uh, three games in four days. So the men are playing on on the 19th against Southampton. The women are playing on the 20th. And the men are playing on the 22nd in the Carabao Cup quarterfinal against Arsenal. So it's uh, basically um, an unbelievable number of games. Um, there's 11 games in 18 or 19 days, um, men's and women's. Then the women's have a break, and then I'll have a, a couple of days, months, days off or holiday, um, because the next game is going to be on the on Boxing Day. And then it's just going to be, once again, it's sticking fast. We're playing on the 26th, the 28th. And then uh, then we do actually have a little break. We, we have five days before our next game. So it is thick and fast. December is just a crazy month uh, for football in the UK. It's just incredible. It is indeed. And this is the final uh, two weeks of the semester for me before that massive and luxurious three-month uh, vacation uh, that you get whenever you're... Um, you're a, a teacher or a university teacher. So it's a, a very interesting period coming up. Ray just went, went, mentioned uh, West Brom. And uh, I just found out, actually, uh, West Brom have got Branislav Ivanovic uh, in them. He, he's actually, he actually came back from, um, I think it was uh, oh, uh, Russia, actually. Um, and uh, he's still going. And uh, a very, very useful player to come up against in that game against uh, West Brom. But um, we've got, as uh, Ray mentioned, we've got Marseille next. And then um, we've got the team from um, uh, Stratford. And uh, that's going to be a decent test. I mean, if Ray is moaning about the fact uh, that we haven't played anybody, well, we've got someone to play against who's uh, got a few points together and we'll see how it goes. But um, thank you very much for listening, guys. Let's just bid the guys farewell. We'll be back with you. Anon, as they say, Anon. Okay, so Ray, thank you so much for coming on. Always a pleasure, Mike. Colin Savage, thank you so much for coming on. Likewise, it's always a pleasure. All right, guys, there you have it. Uh, we'll get this up and out to you. Uh, have one on us, guys. And up those blues.